Park Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the home for amazing pin collectibles with over 300 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code worth 10% off your next order at fansets.com. Fansets, our pins have character. We're back where everything started, Tars Lamora. How will the crew respond to the Diviner's demands? Grab your best Starfleet uniform and suit up to discuss it with us. I'm Mike Bovia, and this is Discovering Trek Prodigy. Thank you for joining us on Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Universe Companion, presented by Fansets. This week on Prodigy, we return to Tars Lamora, where the crew plans to exchange the protostar for the lives of the unwanted. My co-hosts would very quickly exchange me for probably a nickel, maybe even a newly minted, newly minted penny. She's my progeny, Emily. And I, I was having a hard time coming up with the thing that was most worthless there that you would trade me for. So I thought like a fresh penny was probably the most worthless because it was only a cent. No, probably, um, you know, a penny that's been in the ocean for about 500 years. And then it came onto the shore and then it got buried deep in the ocean, (laughs) fell into lava, nearly disintegrated. And then I picked it back up. But see, if you could, if you could read dates and make out what's on it, that penny would be very expensive. That's why I didn't say that. I said a newly minted one because it literally is only worth one cent. Now, see, if you really wanted to dig me, you could say like pocket lint, something like that. But you missed your opportunity. So why don't you take this time to tell everyone where they can find us? You can follow the show on Twitter at Discovering Trek, and you can follow us on Twitter at Trek Legacy and on Instagram with the same handle. You can also find us in Camp Kittimer from time to time. If you'd like to join the conversation there, answer a couple simple questions, and you'll be welcomed in by your admins, Haley, Jackie, and Fark. You can subscribe to the podcast by downloading the Trek Geeks mobile app or by searching for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Thank you, M. So we do always bring a guest in to help us discuss our latest episode. And uh, this week I was going through Twitter and our guest has been tweeting up a storm over Prodigy. (laughs) So I said to myself, that is a great plan. Someone who is loving the show as much as we are. So we welcome in our guest today, Meg McConnell. And Meg, how are you? I'm doing great. I have been enjoying this show so greatly. Every episode has been better than the last. And I am so pumped to talk about it because I have so many theories. And honestly, the amount of lore so far in this show is, oh, it's tantalizing. Like you just need need to know more. I love it. 
Yeah, it, it really, it really is awesome. And to hear the excitement in your voice, like that is, that's great. Uh, I'm loving it. And so this is your podcast debut, correct? Yeah, I have never done something like this before. So <laughs> I'm here. Very good. Well, that is, that is awesome. So you said there's a lot of lure that this, uh, that this series has brought in already. So why don't you give us a little bit of your Star Trek backstory before we uh, get into the episode? Now, my Star Trek backstory, I never really started watching Star Trek until I was about six years old and I was living with my parents and my grandparents all in one very tiny house. And we had this little TV because this would have been about 2004. And I just remember I'm sitting in the living room and the first time I ever stopped to pay attention to Star Trek was when I was sitting on the floor and my grandpa's on the couch and he says, oh, hey, take a look at that. You know, I just turned to the screen and it was, I think, the Tribbles episode of Star Trek, because at that point we'd gotten a bunch of kittens in and, you know, obviously kittens look like Tribbles. And so my granddad obviously thought I'd think that was, you know, fun and connected. And that's my first Star Trek memory is with the Tribbles. And that pretty much changed everything from there. And my granddad also worked for NASA back in the 60s. So there's that connection, too. That's kind of what inspired me going into biomedical engineering, because to me, the most fascinating part about a spaceship is how it keeps its occupants alive. And that's kind of my Star Trek origin story, I guess. I, that, I that's have, really cool. I, I have a very important question. Yes. How many kittens did you get? Uh, We had six kittens at the time because a stray had her kittens under my mom's car. And I remember we kept one and he was my cat doodles for, oh God, 10 years. He was awesome. But the others all got really nice homes and were adopted. But yeah, six kittens. You should get me six kittens. You have two. (laughs) Adopt, don't shop. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, we we get ours from the local rescue, so. Mm -hmm. Very good. So I still uh, foster cats today. Oh, cool. Cool. So I'm going to say um, your story was awesome. It, however, made me feel really old because you said <laughs> you said you were six in 2004 and that's the year I got married. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my so. goodness. Okay, well, n- enough about my age. We'll we'll move forward into the episode and tell everybody that this is a reminder that this episode of Discovering Trek provides spoilers for the Prodigy episode, A Moral Star, Part 1. If you have not watched yet, head over to Paramount Plus and watch the episode, then head back. Failure to do so leaves you open to spoilers. Episode 9 of Star Trek Prodigy, A Moral Star, Part 1 aired January 28th, 2022. In a shocking turn of events, it was written by the entire writer's room. The Hageman brothers, the Benson sisters, Lisa Schultz-Boyd, Nikhil S. Jerem, Deandra Pendleton-Thompson, Chad Quant, and Aaron J. Waltke. The episode was directed by Ben Heban. Crew discusses how Rock got the ball back from the events of, of the Tachyon Storm. Dal accidentally knocks the head off of a deactivated Dreadnought 2, turning on a message from the Diviner. The group hears him tell them that they have 24 hours to return the Protostar in order to save the lives of the unwanted on Tars Tabora. 
After deciding to return for the greater good, the crew works together to plan prior to their proto-warp back. Dal and crew suit up in Starfleet uniforms for this special mission, prompting Janeway to change her look as well. Upon landing at Tars Lamora, the Diviner changes the plan. He now wants Gwen, as well as the Protostar, with Gwen negotiating the crew to get the Rev-12. The Diviner takes off with Gwen Gwen aboard, destroying the power generator on the Rev-12, essentially sentencing all on the asteroid to death. We find out that the group had planned to be double-crossed from the beginning and had taken appropriate measures, removing the protocore and having Murph protect it, with Jankum and Rock working to bring the power back to the asteroid and Dal and Zero working to round up the miners. Well, thank you, Em. Uh, we have well, we kind of left that open-ended because the episode is open-ended. This is part one of two. So, as is our custom... We'll ask Meg to go first on what your thoughts were for this episode. Good, bad, indifferent, and any detail you want to provide. Okay, so this episode absolutely blew me away. I mean, every episode of Star Trek Prodigy has been better than the last. And that's a pretty hard thing to top. I got to admit, I'm not a writer, so that has to be something pretty difficult to get past. And it was incredible because I've binge watched so much Star Trek, but then seeing how this show ties together, not only the storylines of each individual character, like Dal and his entire personification of not knowing what he is and Gwen literally being like one of two of the last of her species. And then, you know, all the other kids having grown up on a mining planet, all of their personal stories tie together into one crew. And then that crew you know, obviously working the protostar and then getting the protostar off Tars Lamora and then growing as characters is incredible. And then making the decision to go back and save the rest of the quote unquote unwanted is also an incredible decision and a huge mark of growth on their part. So my the whoever everyone writing this is getting my applause. Absolutely. And I cannot wait for the next episode. I know. Uh I I, I feel like uh I don't want to say I feel like we were cheated because we definitely weren't um, just, man, I wanted the solution. Uh, I was so used to getting the solution to the episode at the end and to have like a cliffhanger. It just bothered me. <laughs> yeah. I was sitting yep. there. I was watching the episode with my sister and we were both like sitting there on the end of our seats. Like, okay, what's going to happen next? They're all floating there and then cuts to the credits and we're, and it was hilarious because <laughs> we're both like, what? Not even yep. an ad break. There's where is it? Where's more? Yeah, exactly. Em, what about you? What about your thoughts? Okay, so I love absolutely am in love with the uniforms. When they came on, I'm yes. I'm not kidding. I literally screamed. Like I made a verbal yell yes. with yeah. Yes, you definitely I definitely did. I'm already trying to draft up a pattern right now based off my Voyager <laughs> class uniform. I love these uniforms. Yeah, I need to make fan art of it soon. Yes. So good. And the little detail of drawing Zero's uniform onto their shell. Oh, yeah. That was, I <laughs> <Right>? love that. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, And I think that um, in the part where Dal knocks the head off of like dreadnoughts 
Body. Corpse. Dreadnought Jr. <laughs> <laughs> like when when that happens, like almost immediately, Gwen yells, like, what did you do? And then I think that he, and then okay, I'm sorry. He says, I didn't do anything. And I feel like that kind of shows their characters of like Gwen is kind of like she's used to being in control. So she's trying to be controlling or not trying. It just kind of happens like she's used to that position that she's put in of being able to control other people. So it's kind of natural thing for her. And Dal is kind of he he's very defensive of himself. So he immediately yells back that he didn't do anything. So that's. I thought um, it was. Something. I thought that was very yeah. much like a conversation that would happen between teenagers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I also absolutely love the corrupted Janeway design. I think it's so cool. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes, I've been so tempted to just dye my hair blue because that's such a cool look. <laughs> um. I I I think that it's um also a really big character development when Dal when when Dal just gets up and leaves when Janeway says that he has to make the decision to go to Starfleet or Tars the Moira and then Gwen follows him and he actually shows that he's scared of making that decision mm-hmm. because he's he not because he's scared about he's worried like he's going to get hurt but he's worried about his crew now yeah. And that's that's really big. And I like the the part where Gwen decides that she's going to go with the diviner and he stops her and he says, we need you. I think that that's great. Um, also, when. You know, as as I just said, um, when Dal you know, showed that he was scared about having to make that decision. He said, I can't risk losing us. Yep. And like, you know, the friendships on the, on the, yeah. Yeah. And he said, you know what I mean? Us, like all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Very warm, very sweet moment between the characters. Yes. Even, even though it, even though he was probably inwardly thinking us, the relationship that the two of them have, uh, have put together too. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear that Gwen and Dell have known each other the longest. Mm-hmm. But I look forward to seeing, you know, how the characters' pasts affect their relationships in the future. Yeah, yeah. And one other quick thing that I noticed um, when that when they were going to warp to start the Proto Star, the Proto Drive, um, Zero says that they are all at warp nine point nine seven. So Bef- right before they hit the Proto. Yeah, that's is that like the, the kind of warp. thing? Is that like the kind of thing with the DeLorean where it has to go 88 miles per hour to jump into the future or the past? Probably um I don't know. I they haven't know. made that clear. I honestly part of me feels like there should be a really funny reference where the protostar goes at warp 11, you know, like turn it up to 11. <laughs> <laughs> I I think there should be a really funny reference from Hologram Janeway that if they go too fast, they'll all become lizards. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Uh, that would be great. That would be great. So I like a lot of the things that the that the both of you have talked about. Um, 
So I'm going along with one of the things that you mentioned, uh, Dal, Dal's uh, talking about the decision. And I picked up on one of the things that he said. He said, you know, this is this is our Kobayashi Maru. This can't be one of my half-baked plans. You know, they have they have to work on this. And that was when uh, Gwyn went back to episode one and told him, you know, we're wearing cat boots. So, you know, she's really she's really with him and kind of letting him know that the rest of the crew is as well. Right. Mm-hmm. I- I I feel like she's she's going to become like his first officer, either her mm-hmm. or Rock, because of how much experience that Rock has now. You know, I think Rock has too much experience now to be a first officer. Yeah, and she I, she like knows how everything works. She's yeah. an admiral. <laughs> she can be an admiral now. Yeah. Starfleet's youngest admiral at eight years old. Right, right. <laughs> um. I thought it was very awesome how uh, Janeway's coffee addiction has rubbed off on Gwyn and Rock. And, and that, that, was, person, that was great. I, I forgot who it was who pointed out that Gwyn had the largest cup. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a mood. Like just as a just as a university student, I'm like, yeah, I feel that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of things that were said that I thought were important points to this episode. Um so they were talking about um, when they put the uniforms on about how, well, you know, this mission that we're doing is probably the closest we'll ever get to Starfleet. And Janeway said, risking everything to bring hope to a hopeless cause, that's Starfleet ideals. Um, it was That was a really, really cool moment, I thought, um, especially since it's the first time we've seen them in the uniforms. Mm-hmm. And then when they're back on Tars Lamore and she's walking toward the diviner um, and he says, do you know what that uniform means? And she says, yes, a commitment to strive for a better future. I mean, come on. She's already, she's learned it all. Yeah. She's learned it all. Can I just say that that is not what the conversation is. He starts yelling at her and she says, what for commitment to strive for better futures? It's not like that. Whatever. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, two more things that I really liked. Um, Dal already has a better um, go to warp phrase than Saru with go fast. Yes. <laughs> um, and how awesome is it that Murph can swallow a star? incredible not, not just a star a baby star but a star like he is swallowing a sun <laughs> i mean <laughs> like that is more of a planet best. and bring life to a star system kind of star. right like, right <laughs> i i don't understand like he's so tiny like he he fit inside zero's little well, the proto star was not that big if you saw it you well, know it, the, the drive is relatively big to power that entire ship that has a lot to of hold the drive. 200 people. Right. A lot of the drive got the left drive behind. Was, so, no, I mean, I'm just going from the episode, but Jenkin Pog mentioned that it was the gravimetric protostar containment unit that was most of that space. So it was the gravity, right. the artificial gravity that contained the star. So the star itself is 
teeny weeny. I mean, it's a baby star, but the gravity containment field needed to contain a baby star, which would be extremely dense, would have to be pretty big. But, you know, just shoving Murph through a vent and then having him eat the baby star and then come back out and shove him into a zero suit probably wouldn't be that big. I mean, in in essence, he he swallowed an entire star that powers a giant chip. Yeah. Now, let that be a lesson to you, Em, that you just got smacked down by an honest-to-goodness engineer. So you better bring (laughs) your A-game today. I'm not graduated just yet, but we'll get there. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Uh, You already have a much higher education than I do, and she's 12. So you are you already you already have (laughs) have the (laughs) you you get you get the education credit here today. Uh, I think I might be more educated in some senses than you. Well, that's possible. Library computer data being received so each week we look at the episode and see if there was anything that harkened back to prior star treks so this week as always we will do the same okay okay but i did notice one thing (laughs) is that the uniforms that the protostar which i suspect were all the same color because it was an experimental ship they look to me a lot like the star trek uniforms from the next generation Mm. like just from the color blocking on the front some of the banding on the back they just kind of reminded me of that yeah yeah but as for other callbacks i'm not so certain yeah i was i was thinking the same thing the uh the gray the gray shoulder yokes um you know the black go ahead em it wasn't gray (laughs) what was it it's kind of a lilac to be honest (laughs) oh really Oh. It looked, well, at least to me, like more of a dusty lilac. It was like, um, like a slightly more colorful one skin tone. Okay. Basic, you know, like okay. the basic cult base. Right. Not bright purple like Dow. But yeah, no. Yeah. Gotcha. I think the color, and this is just from what I know about design, is that the color got picked because it was a color that didn't clash with the main character's colors, you know, like rock talks mm. pink. Jenkins Pog's more of a tan. Dal is bright purple. And then Gwyn's very pale. So they had to pick a color that, you know, would work for cadets who haven't figured themselves out yet, but also wouldn't look completely out of place among other Star Trek uniforms. Right, right. And it looks, I I mean, it looks pretty cool. Like, I will, I will wear one of those Mm -hmm. in a a heartbeat. Definitely. It it definitely does match because it's in the same basic, you know, like, as you mentioned, Rock talk is red and red is a is a main color component of purple, which is basically which is pretty close to lilac. And then purple and then like a tan is kind of it's in the same color spectrum as red. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna stop talking. <laughs> so I guess in a way it kind of like unifies unifies the characters, not only visually, but also as a team. So it's mm-hmm. not only a color that they all have a little bit in common with, you know, physically. But also, it's sort of the uniform of the protostar. It is, just yeah. Meekly protostar. Mm-hmm. And and Dal is still wearing his unbuckled shoes. Mm-hmm. I love that detail. <laughs> I absolutely uh, love that. Like you know, you get this fancy new uniform, but you're going to wear the comfy shoes. You just got to yeah. wear the comfy shoes. <laughs> and yeah. I remember in like the first episode that we watched, it was like, are we going to see uniforms ever? 
Well, please. and I don't, I'm not sure that, that I thought it was actually going to happen. Um, I didn't either. I, I, I thought that they were just going to stick with this ragtag group that they, that they look like. Um, mm-hmm. But when they made the comment um, on, on first contact that, you know, if we're representing the Federation, maybe we should wear uniforms. I was like, that's going to happen then. If they're making a comment about it, it's probably going to happen soon. I'm glad that you didn't tell me because then you wouldn't have gotten such a genuine reaction from me when I watched it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, a couple things that I had, um, you know, first off, everyone was making a big deal about trying to figure out what Chakotay's uniform looked like in that uh in that hologram (laughs) and now we know this was the Mm -hmm. uniform Um, not necessarily no it was it's already been confirmed yeah it has it has already been confirmed i want to and i'll get it wrong nope i am right i am right and i will get into that later um so detail uniform detail that i noticed when gwyn dropped her comm badge to the ground and the diviner stomped on it we get a look at the cuffs of her uniform pants and they have that Delta cutout on them. Like the next gen uniforms used to have yeah. right by the boots. I didn't notice it the first couple times I watched it, but in the third watch of it, I noticed it sitting there. I said, Ooh, ooh that is a real good detail right there. Mm-hmm. Watched it three times. Yeah. Why not? I, I- I tried to pause it on the broken um, Delta. Um, to see if there was the anything. Yeah. yeah, but I it put there was the stupid little pause symbol in the center of the screen that wouldn't go away. <laughs> oh my goodness! Um, I mean, kind of, kind of a cheap one. They referenced the self destruct sequence uh, in case anything they try anything funny. You know that that's really cheap but I'll take it. And my last one, um, the vibe that I got when corrupted Janeway came on the screen was that she looks like Janeway, uh, the depiction of her from living witness, uh, what the, what the planet people, what the people on the planet thought um, the Voyager crew was like, it was like the only glimpse that we ever got of like a mirror Voyager crew. Uh, And that was what I thought when I saw corrupted Janeway. Yeah. I'm just wondering, does the diviner realize that when you destroy a Starfleet comm badge, it's automatically sends out a distress signal to look for survivors because he mm-hmm. might have just destroyed all his own plans, all to be petty against Gwen. And I don't know, I find that kind of deliciously ironic that he's so against the Federation. He may have just summoned all of Starfleet onto his yep. tail end. Does. <laughs> I have to add that to my theory. Well, there you go. Good. That's something for you to think about. Uh, Another theory that one of my um, moots, I think is how you say it, on Twitter said was that, you know, the protostar wouldn't have been able to go out without at least some crew members. So what if those crew members were hiding among the quote unquote unwanted miners on Tars Lamora? Like they were just waiting there the whole time to find a way to escape. I will. I will get to that. I will get to that later. That is one of I've, that. That is that is right along some of my thinking. Please specify how you would like to proceed, sir. 
So the next section of our program is the Starfleet Academy section. And as we've talked about each week, Star Trek is a show that's always tried to teach the audience a lesson about itself. And Prodigy is now bringing that to the next generation. So we ask ourselves and our guests, what is this episode trying to teach the audience, whether it be uh, us older folk or the younger generation? So uh, Meg, as the guest, we typically will let you go first. So what did you find as a lesson from this episode? Honestly, the lesson that it taught me was that putting others' needs before your own and also helping people when you're in a position to do so is incredibly important. And the way that Dal and the entire crew used the protostar, they could have easily just turned around and then jumped back to Federation space and completely forgotten about the miners who, you know, Dal never was able to communicate with. He didn't know them personally. He didn't know their first names or their favorite color, but all these people that he completely didn't know and that the other members of the protostar didn't know, they went to help them. And I think that's an important message, especially today, that even if you don't know somebody, just lending a helping hand when you're able to do so is super important in life because you never know when it's going to be you who needs help. And I, for one, should definitely know that considering the things I've been through. So sometimes it's just a case of today, you, tomorrow, me, maybe you'll need a helping hand tomorrow, or I'll need a helping hand. And you're going to want somebody to come there and give you a bit of a boost. So that's what this episode, I think personally was teaching. I like that. I like that. And Emily was smiling because she has access to my notes as well. So she was smiling because the uh, the the single note that I have here under this is the needs of the many, um, and you know that, that goes right exactly that goes along really mm-hmm. well with what you were saying, but I'm actually going to take it in a slightly different direction as well because I think that is the overall theme is exactly what you said you know the needs of everyone else should come before yours you need to extend that helping hand to someone in need, regardless of what it means to yourself, uh, putting forth that self-sacrificing effort. But uh, the other part that goes along with that is, you know, we go back to um, the episode Kobayashi. Dal had gone through that entire training program multiple, multiple times. We see right at the beginning of the episode that he's already learned something from that. But then he also learned this lesson from that as well, because at the very end, it's something that Spock said to him, the needs of the many Mm -hmm. outweigh the needs of the few. Um, So he obviously wasn't just the jokester uh, that we thought he was in that moment. He took something away from it and he's now making application of it as well, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, I really love that character development in Dell and just the way he took this message and applied it to what he knows now. And I could also see his fear because we all know how the Kobayashi Maru went at the end. Like it was a no win and leading to the, at least in the hollow program, the comrades on the ship dying. Mm-hmm. So that's honestly, I don't think him walking back into the captain's quarters and quote unquote running away from the situation was out of selfishness. He was scared. He was genuinely scared. Right. 
M, how about you? What did you take away from this episode? Okay, so okay, so I've said this before. Uh, I think I've said this before on, you know, in another episode. Or again, I think I'm not a hundred percent sure. You have okay. Teamwork is pretty important, and you know, um, obviously. We are not in life or death situations all the time where if we don't work together, then we're going to die. But it's still important because, you know, working as a team with other people can bring you closer to those people. And then you'll get to know each other better, obviously. Um, And then you'll be able to work together even better because, you know, in the case of the Protostar crew, they had to work together to try and save the miners and to save themselves because, you know, without them being there, the miners wouldn't be able to be saved. So they had to, you know, figure out how to get to Tars Demora. They had to make a plan and they had to stick to that plan and they had to make sure that everybody was going to be able to, you know, do their part in that plan. And, you know, Dal being the leader, I think that he did a pretty good job with that. You know, obviously he didn't come up with the plan all by himself. He let other people do it as well so that everybody had their own part to play and they could do it themselves. Even Murph. And yeah, mm-hmm. even Murph had a job. Yeah, And it, it it's very important to work together because you know, this act of teamwork will inevitably bring this crew closer together, you know, being able to work together to save an entire mining colony and, you know, having to rescue their friends or their friend back from their evil father. Um, And, you know, that will create a stronger bond with them. And that's important, you know, today too, because, if we work with somebody close in the team and, you know, you let them, them help out and you talk with them and you communicate with them and you know what they're able to do and what they aren't able to do, then you'll be able to, you know, use that in a bunch of different scenarios. And I don't know where I'm going with this anymore, (laughs) but it's important to be a team because you can bond with other people and, you know, we're not going to die if we don't do it. But, you know, um, maybe social skills will die if we don't do it. So, yeah, very good. Um, you know, I, th- I, I thought that uh, the overall arcing theme so far of this season has been working together as a team. And I thought this mm-hmm. episode was the ultimate display of that. Uh, it's like everything that they've learned up to this point, they put together and made it happen in this episode. Yes, very much. I'd like to take a moment to talk about Fansets, the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Long before we were doing a podcast sponsored by them, we were Fansets customers. The quality of the merchandise they put out is second to none. It's not just Star Trek that they offer, as they have something for all different types of fandoms, including Scooby-Doo, 
DC Comics, Batman 66, Harry Potter, and Rick and Morty. Now, their latest release is not quite in the Delta's Done Right collection, but what was just released yesterday was the Klingon emblem pin. So we're talking the logo for the Klingon Empire has been released as a pin or a magnet, depending on your preference. So if you have just a Klingon shirt that you want to proudly display something on, you could pin it on. You could pin it on a jacket. You could pin it on a backpack. Now, if you're wearing one of those awesome full metal Klingon warrior costumes, get yourself the magnet because then it's going to stick to that as well. That's just one of over 300 officially licensed Star Trek pins that Fansets has to offer. That includes the aforementioned Delta's Done Right collection, as well as micro crew pins, episode pins, and many other great designs. So go to fansets.com and put a whole bunch of pins in your cart. The listener to the show, you can receive 10% off your next order from Fansets by using the code Discovering Trek at checkout. And also remember that you receive free shipping in the U.S. on orders $30 or more. Fansets, our pins have character. And we thank Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. So don't get me wrong. We do really love Prodigy on this show. But each week that ticks down gets us closer to May 5th, which is the debut of Strange New Worlds. I bring that up because we are going into the Christopher Pike Medal of Honor round. Uh, So named because of the main character of strange new worlds. So uh, we put it upon ourselves here to give out fake awards to our favorite things from this week's episode. So uh, again, I always defer to the guest. So Meg, uh, did you have single medal, multiple medals this week? Take it away. Let us know. So in all honesty, I think the Christopher Pike medal of honor this week, should go to Jankum Pog. I mean, everyone has had such an amazing level of growth as characters. They had some awesome lines. I mean, Zero with their painting the uniform onto their exosuit and Gwen wanting to make everything right after she, you know, couldn't help the unwanted like she wanted to and Dal being genuinely scared for his crew. But I'm I'm sorry, but Jankum Pog gets this medal this week, at least from me, because of his line, which... I mean, him getting up on the table and being (laughs) Dal's almost cheerleader and his and the acting and um, Jankum Pog takes the acting line absolutely had me cracking up. He was (laughs) funny and he showed a lot of three dimensionality that a lot of character side characters don't get. And he won the episode, my opinion. But yeah, he gets that medal from me. (laughs) This is a bad call 
but I can't think of any other dum-dums I'd want to do it with. <laughs> exactly. That, that was great. I had absolutely no idea that Jenkin Pog took to acting. I mean, I would never have guessed that <laughs> thousand years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To me, that honestly, I love that little bit of it because it adds to the three-dimensionality of the characters. Like, you know, sure, he's this rough and tough engineer Tellerite, but, you know, maybe he likes acting. You know, maybe if they go to Starfleet Academy, he'll join the Shakespeare Club. <laughs> I got to say, one of the other things that I really like to, um, and this is really the first chance that we're getting to see it, is... Tellerites and you know Jankum right from the beginning. Uh, we know what their personality is. You know they're argumentative by yes. nature, but he has no problem when he finds out how much Rock has learned working with her to solve problems in this episode. And I think that is just an awesome. Uh, use of the character as well you know a typically argumentative guy with lots of engineering knowledge but he sees what this what this uh person is capable of doing and is willing to work with them on it too yeah and i completely vibe with that because i have a very specific subset of knowledge and if i can find someone to talk about it with then i will sit down with them and talk for hours and i feel like that's probably how jinkum pog appears now because you know you suddenly got hey i'm not so alone anymore i can talk about you know the joints on a the engineering of a gravimetric protostar containment unit you know <laughs> you can talk to rock talk about that now you're not so bored <laughs> it's like specific? all of us star trek nerds and podcasts <laughs> what's what exactly. specific parts of knowledge is that? Because I would be interested uh, in possibly. Well, I study a biomedical engineering. I don't so my know. specific subset of knowledge is leaning more towards life support systems and prosthetics. Ooh. I know nothing about that. So like so like <laughs> so like Jankum's hammer hand. Yes. Oh my gosh. So kind of what got my interest started was when I was 12 years old and I saw how to train a dragon. I really really wanted to know how toothless tail worked and i actually i remember i wish i still had it but i lost it in a move i diagrammed it by watching frame for frame screenshots of that movie when i was 12 years old and i was obsessed with trying to figure out how it worked and i understand it's all just movie magic now it probably wouldn't actually work in real life that's just kind of what started my whole snowballing towards where i'm going now i love that's that cool. that is awesome that is awesome so anyone else that you would like to dole an award out to, or was it just strictly Jankum this week? I mean, Jankum gets the main award, but I think Dal and Gwyn are tied for a second because Gwyn absolutely courageous because I know what it's like to have, to try and, you know, go against someone, a parental figure who may not, or well, absolutely. The diviner is absolutely evil. Like he's evil pure pure evil and i can't wait to see him go down and she was absolutely courageous in standing up for the unwanted and standing up for her crew in the face of an unknown fate like she had no idea what was going to happen what he would have done what could have happened to her or her friends and she just stood up and walked straight toward this and that is deserving an award and obviously dal's growth is huge as a character but yeah the awards definitely go to Jankum and Gwyn. 
I love it. I love it. Um, Cause I, my thinking is kind of in line with that and looking at Emily's face, I'm thinking that hers is too. So go ahead, Em, what, what are your, what's your award section today? Okay. So, okay. Yeah. I'm just going to go off of what we had like just talked about. So my award, one of one of my awards goes to Dal and Gwen as character growth together because, you know, obviously separately, they're both incredible. You know, like what you said with Gwen, you know, trying to fix all of her past mistakes. Sorry. And Dal trying to, you know, correct his selfish mindset. But I'm pairing the two together and I'm going to say that their friendship has just been so incredible and it's grown so much. And I love that so much. That's so, so cool. I love it. And so award to that, um, to give one of my awards to Alessandro Taney. I hope I'm pronouncing that name right. And if I'm not, I'm very sorry. Um, but he was the main character designer for the main characters, All obviously. Of them. And yeah, and I I think that that is just so cool. I want to do that so bad. I want that to be my job. And I was looking at the credits and I couldn't figure out who to give my award to at first. But I, I looked some of his work up and it's so incredible. He's His art is so amazing. I, it's like, it's kind of like realism or like hyper-realism. It's awesome. Um, can I give an Instagram shout out to him? Go for it. Okay. Um, he's on Instagram at te- uh, Telexi Art, and they're all lowercase. And on Facebook, it is the same exact thing, just with the first T capitalized. His work is on there, and it's incredible, and I love it. And he has some, you know, some prodigy, some not, but it's awesome so award to him and another thing this is kind of like just my basic thought that I'm kind of you know thinking that it's so cool that it kind of in my mind deserves an award the corrupted Janeway art I think that that's just so cool I love it so much um I think it's really interesting how you know it it looks kind of like what okay it reminds me of the diviner if we could see what i don't know what i'm trying to say it's it it reminds me of the diviner though because you know like she goes from like being all colorful to just blue but like not like a bright blue like oh it's happy and hooray no, it's it's dark blue. It's scary. You're not okay. I don't know where I'm going with this, but that's. I'm gonna I get stop it. Talking. I'm she, gonna stop just, talking before yeah. I dig a deeper hole. Yeah, it's dark, so yeah. you get the you get the understanding that it's not a good Janeway anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So this is actually a first that you're naming names for people in the art department. So 
I think that can be your goal for the second half of the season is instead of just saying, I'm going to give an award to art or animation, you can call out individuals. No, I am. I am playing, planning on it because one of my, what I want to do is I want to be an artist, but I've decided that I want to do concept art for things. And there's a bunch of people that were in the concept art for in the credits so i want to give an award to at least one person in the concept art department in every episode sweet that sounds awesome all right so um so i cheated uh because i have um i don't know i think about 10 maybe 12 people getting awards today um but let me explain myself here so my first cheat was that I combined Gwyn and Dal as well for <laughs> for one award. We all um, did that though. Yeah, that doesn't that can't count anymore. <laughs> so You're kind of a unit. Yeah, it's it's becoming that way. It's becoming that way, and the character growth is obviously a product of the writing, but the way it's coming across is through the voice work of Brett Gray and Ella Purnell. And, you know, you have to, you have to give a shout out to them because, you know, in order to convey the emotion of a character strictly through your voice is a gift. And what the two of them are doing is it's, it's becoming really awesome work in this show. Um, And I can't wait to see more of it as we continue to go on. Um, I know in episode way back in episode one of uh, discovering Trek prodigy, uh, Dan gave an award to John Noble, the voice of the diviner. I'm giving him one in this episode because you know what? I think we've mentioned it already today. He is just devious. And that. Yeah. Yeah. And. Again, voice work, you know, it does he look like a villain, like in his animation? Absolutely. But I mean, you know, to go to the opposite end of the extreme, if you take that drawn character and you give him Pee Wee Herman's voice, it loses something, you know? (laughs) So. So John Noble is nailing it on this as the diviner. And then I, I'm sorry, prodigy writers room. I'm not going to rename all of you. I already did at the beginning of the episode, but this is why I said probably a dozen people, because this is the first time that I have ever seen an episode of star Trek where the entire writers room receives a credit for an episode and i believe they've said that it's the same way for next week's as well typically in television writing when you have more than two writer credits on a show it means that the script was horrible but there was a few elements here and there that were great. So you have to give credit to this person because they had this idea and you have to give credit to this person because they had this idea. Mm-hmm. And then the people that actually form the body and the screenwriting of it, 
have to get credited as well. Um, and so that's why they say, if you've got that many people, it's normally a train wreck. Well, that is absolutely not the case with this episode. Um, you have the entire writer's room putting together. I mean, I've seen many online already say that uh, over the past four weeks, each episode has one up the next as their favorite of the season. And this is another one of them. You know, this one vaults right to the top, I think, on a lot of people's lists as the next great episode. And the other thing that I want to mention about uh, the writer's room actually goes back to the conversation we all had about the uniforms earlier. So uh, last night I saw an article with uh, inverse.com where the Hagemans were talking about the uniform choice. And they said, we really needed to put forth an effort because everyone is always going to question what you design for a uniform if it's different from what has been seen before. Mm -hmm. So the explanation, and they said, this wasn't just us. This was, again, going back to this writer's room thing. We discussed it as a unit. These uniforms are specific to the protostar. And it's because it's an experimental ship that they have this really cool looking uniform, but yeah, it's a little different from what we've traditionally seen. Um, And I thought that was great. You know, here's a group of writers that care enough about not just putting the product out there for kids, which, you know, they're doing a heck of a job with. Mm-hmm. But they're also caring enough about the people that have been watching Star Trek for years that they want to make sure that they're doing it right for everybody as well. So uh, I'll step off my soapbox. That was my thought on on the uniforms. So I, 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 I think it was great. We have come to our final section, engage the protostar drive, or as Dal says, go fast. So uh, this is where we make a prediction for what could be coming down the pipeline based off of what we've seen already. Uh, The prediction can be for the immediate future, as in the next episode, or it can be something that we think we're going to see later in the season. Uh, So as she is wont to do normally, Emily wants to make sure that nobody steals her idea. So she is asked to go first. So let's let's hear this brilliant prediction that you have come up with. Yes, brilliant. Thank you. But. Um, so the last, as far as I can remember, the last scene that we see with Gwen is when she is communicating, you know, telepathically with her father. Um, and he says, there's something that you're not telling me. There's something more. You're hiding something. And then he like throws her away. And I'm not 100% sure what will happen when she go to the brig. I don't know. But I'm going to assume that he's, you know, 
obviously now that he knows that she's hiding something, he's not going to trust her. And so my first assumption is that she's probably going to go to the brig, unfortunately. And my prediction for uh, part two is that she will make her way out of the brig because she always does. So she'll escape the brig and she'll take back the ship. And I don't know what she's going to do with her father and um, the robot guy, General Grievous 2.0. Dreadnought. Dreadnought. Sure. Yep. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Maybe she can blow them out of an airlock. That would make me happy, but I don't know. I can't. She's, she's done it once. Well, yeah. I don't know. She'll take back the ship somehow, leaving her father and Dreadnought to do whatever. I haven't thought of that until now. But, you know, she'll go back and rescue the crew on Tars Lamora after they've restored gravity, hopefully. And, you know, they've saved a lot of the miners and they've figured out ways to get them off the planet. You know, in some way they've figured some way they've figured out a way to get them off. So they're safe now. And, you know, Gwen will go back to Tars Lamora and she'll, you know, save them. And, you know, I feel like at that point, the diviner will sneak off the ship, but I'll come back to that. But before Gwen gets there, um, our crew finds uh, the original crew. You should just um, save this and write a script. Because this is really long. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm trying to explain it in a way that isn't in my head. Um, They find the original crew and they, you know, take them back onto the ship. The diviner escapes. And, you know, he goes after all of the miners because, I don't know, he goes after the miners and, um, you know, Gwen finds out that he's not on the ship anymore. And then the episode's over. And that is my script. And I'm sorry it was long. (laughs) It's not, it's, it's one sentence on paper. But in my head, it could be a film. <laughs> well, Meg, it's going to be tough to top that, at least word-wise. But uh, well, <laughs> go ahead. What I, do you have I, for I a, can't a prediction? Beat the word count, but I think the next episode is going to be a doozy because not only is it going to be the penult- the ultimate episode of Star Trek Prodigy, but it's also going to be what's leading us into hiatus. So we'll have plenty of time to you know, debate theories and whatever. But I think, and I don't have any specifics in mind, I'm not a writer, um, is we're going to learn a lot more about the Valnakat and who the Diviner is. Like, why doesn't he have an actual name? Why is he called the Diviner? Is that a title? Does he have some sort of superpowers to see the future or something? But I feel like he stated in the first episode that they're the last of their kind. And I'm, I'm calling that. a Yeah, that's not true. I feel like he's definitely lying about that. He's just using that lie to manipulate Gwyn into doing whatever he wants. And frankly, I feel like that lie and that 
obvious reveal of the lie is going to obviously push Gwen even further away from him and further towards Starfleet. And my second theory just kind of revolves around Dal. Like, it would be interesting in this, and obviously I don't have any proof right now. I think whatever he is, however he made his way across the stars as a child and growing up with Nandi and winding up at Tarzamora, his kind might have had something to do with the Valnacat because it put an interesting connection between him and Gwyn. Maybe not as, you know, enemies, like some sort of star-crossed, friends kind of deal but as maybe they were allies at one point or they're kind knew about each other but not all the way that's I like just that. my silly yeah it's just my silly theory personally that's really cool frankly i maybe it's because you know that part of me that was still salty as a two-year-old over the tigger movie <laughs> wanting him to have a huge family thinks that dal i i mean it you're laughing but i was so upset when he opened tigger opens that locket and there was no family picture inside I, uh, I really hope Dal has this big, happy family just waiting for him. That's how I feel. <laughs> I'm only laughing because I love Tigger. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. He was always my favorite. I had a stuffed Tigger who practically dissolved because I carried with him with me through most of grade school. And he just kind of turned into a little wad of lint. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I named I named my dog Tigger when I was three. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. We had a cat named Tigger. There you go. He was an orange tabby and he was the funniest thing. Awesome. Can I say that I, I agree with the statement that they're not the only of their kind because I, I got this feeling when I was watching it again today to do my notes because I was lazy and didn't do them yesterday. Um, (laughs) You know, she, Gwen says, you know, what are, what are you not telling me? What, um, you know, diviner has been saying i should have told you i should have told you i should have told you and she's finally like what should you have told me and he's like i don't exactly remember what he says but he he that's that's when they connected their minds yeah, yeah and he's like You're why she yeah she says why do you need the ship and said why did you go after the ship instead of me and he says there were reasons and i feel I feel like somehow he got into what are we in the Delta? We're in the Delta quadrant, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. He got in the Delta quadrant. His, you know, the Valnacot are from the Alpha quadrant, the Beta quadrant, the Gamma quadrant, whatever different quadrant other than the Delta quadrant. You know, they're from a different quadrant and he somehow. I've heard, got, I've heard even a different galaxy from some people. Yeah. yeah. You know, somehow he got over to the Delta quadrant and he had to make Gwen because there was no way that he would possibly be able to get back to his home. And, you know, he needed somebody else so that, you know, hopefully he could, you know, somebody from his family could get back to his planet. And, you know, he needed the protostar because he wanted to get back there himself. And the only way that he could get there was by using the proto drive. And I'm nice. just very talkative today. Yeah, that, that, that's good. Mm-hmm. It's a podcast. We want we want talking on a podcast. I'm like never talkative, and all of a sudden I'm exploding. So <laughs> uh, I'm gonna disappoint all because my my theory does not have the legwork that uh, either of the two of you had. Um, I am sticking with a thought that I had a few weeks ago, 
but I'm doubling down and going more specific. A couple of weeks ago, I said that Chakotay and his crew were miners on Tars Lamora, and that's where they were. So I'm double downing, and I'm saying we are going to see Chakotay and his crew next week mm-hmm. on part two of this episode. I, that was part of my theories. It makes uh, sense. Uh, it might have been though. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That was like just blending. I was kind of wondering if it was going to be like the cliffhanger of this episode where it's like, we see them at the very end and then it cuts to credits and then we would find out the story in part two, but that would now, be evil. Now <laughs> I kind of feel like that's going to happen in this episode that Chakotay and crew is going to be the last thing we see for part two. And then oh, we have goodness. to wait, we have to wait through the hiatus to uh, get the whole story. <laughs> That would be worse. I take back back that I said that this would have been evil. That will be much worse. It would be. That's like something the diviner would plan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) It would be best of both worlds all over again for those of us old enough to have uh, had to deal with that in 1990. Well, Meg, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and thank you was... for letting me on here for my glorious podcast debut. <laughs> uh, hey. I, I This has been so much fun. This is the first time. I mean, I've been in Zoom meetings before for university, and that's always mm-hmm. interesting. But for something I'm actually interested in, Star Trek, <laughs> it's just so exciting. And thank you for having me on here. It's oh, you're welcome. Awesome. You're welcome. So if people want to continue the prodigy conversation with you, where can you be found online? I am Commander Meg over on Twitter. And that's pretty much my only social media. But yep, I'm Commander Meg over on Twitter. I do Star Trek theories, Star Trek art, sometimes talk about my life a little bit, but I'm kind of private in that regard. But yeah, I do a lot of Star Trek art and theories. And my favorite Star Trek is Prodigy. Definitely followed by nice. nice. You're one of the my favorite people that we've had on. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's so sweet. Okay. Yeah, I've I've been kind of blown away by the people following me on Twitter. I'm just sitting here, you know, spitting out my various probably wrong theories and talking about the outfits. And then I get all these incredibly awesome people who've done so much more cooler things than me. And I'm just sitting here like, oh my God, I don't even know you people, but you're awesome. Yep. This well, is this is Star Trek Twitter. That's how, well, this is the good side of Star Trek Twitter. Yeah. I've, well, the, I've done my work and staying on the good side. Yeah, 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 exactly. Don't go to that's, the elephant graveyard. <laughs> that's, that's the point of theories. They don't have to be right. As long as you're having fun making them mm-hmm. and people enjoy them. Yep. Don't forget that you can support Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to bonus content on Patreon. Get access to unedited audio of all our podcasts and a lot of other perks. If you'd like to support this and the other member podcasts of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, beam on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks, where subscriptions start as low as $2 a month. For more great Star Trek discussion, check out the aforementioned member podcasts on the network. In addition to Discovering Trek, there's Trek Geeks, Rewind, Politrex, Five-Year Mission, Deep Space Pride, Infinite Trek, The Divine Treasury, Sci-Fi Sisters, 
Drawn to Trek, Science Station 2, and With the First Link. You can find all these shows and where to listen on trekgeeks.com slash listen or by downloading the Trek Geeks mobile app. Trek Geeks Podcast Network. No one talks Trek like we do. Episode 9 has shown us that this truly is a crew that knows how to work together to accomplish a mission. Will Dal and company get the protostar back? What is the truth that the diviner keeps telling Gwyn about? And will Janeway be brought back to her original programming? Tune in next week as we discuss the conclusion of the first half of Star Trek Prodigy Season 1 here on Discovering Trek. Until then, never stop discovering. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Thank you.